0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast.
1: Her Money is supported by Fidelity Investments. We want you to demand more from your money. So start by knowing what you own and what you owe. We'll help you take the next step at fidelity.com slash demand more. Her Money comes to you through PRX. Hey, everybody, it's Jean Chatsky. Welcome to Her Money. If this show sounds a little different, it's because Her Money is on a field trip this week. We are off site conducting an interview with Nicole Connolly, who runs ESG Investing at Fidelity. Now, you've heard me talking about ESG before, it stands for Environmental, Social, and governance. There is this huge trend, and we've been hearing a lot of demand for it from our listeners, this huge trend of women in particular, but also millennials, wanting to invest in things that we can feel good about, wanting to put our money where our mouth is, so to speak, wanting to know that when we buy mutual funds or stocks in particular companies, these companies are doing the right thing by society, by the world, that they're environmentally conscious, that they've got women on boards or in the C-suite, that they are paying attention to the social issues that we care so much about. This is a growing field. Every year we're seeing more funds emerge in this ESG world, and what's so amazing is that we're no longer living in a time where you have to choose between doing well financially and doing good, making an impact. You can actually make more money in many cases by investing by these principles. And so Nicole is with me to tell us all about it. Thanks so much. For yeah, being thanks with for having me. me. Yeah, we should tell everybody we're on a field trip. Yes. <laughs> yes. We in we, yes. We are in beautiful,
0: Arizona. We are in my happy
1: place. Uh, yes. I always thought my happy place was New Jersey, yeah. but I might have to get a better <laughs> definition um, for those people who are not in the know. Tell us a little bit about ESG investing. What is it? Right.
2: Okay. So ESG, as Jean said, stands for environmental, social, and governance. And what we're really talking about is aligning your capital with your values, with things that you care about. And we think we can do this in a way to generate sustainable and superior returns. And what we're talking about is investing in companies that are trying to limit the impact on the environment. Uh, Investing in companies that are trying to do right by their customers, their employees, their suppliers, the communities they operate in, that's the S, and then investing in companies that have good leadership and good governance. And what that means is companies that have strong boards, independent boards, diverse boards, companies that are trying to align the way the management gets paid with the shareholders, and then companies that are allocating their capital prudently. So hopefully you hear that and you think, gee, that's just like good business, right? right. And so, so often people think about ESG as a way to avoid guns or alcohol or tobacco in my investments. But really ESG is about, you know, investing in companies that are embracing sustainability principles so that they can be built to last and outperform over time.
1: So staying away from guns, staying yes. away from tobacco, yes. I mean those are what we used to call the sin sectors, yes. right? So yes. or maybe we still do. Yeah. I, I came up as a reporter yeah. first at Forbes magazine and I remember doing early stories on what we then called socially responsible right. investing. Right. How's this different? Yeah. So
2: the history of ESG goes back to the 60s and the 70s, and it actually found its origin in faith-based organizations that said, we do not, we do not want to invest in companies that conflict with our morals. So we don't want to invest in smoking or alcohol drinking, all that. And that's where this exclusionary idea came from, where we're not gonna invest in these companies. But it has evolved to being something more about, instead of what are you against, What are you for? And that's a much more exciting conversation to be had and where I think ESG is going. So away from exclusionary and more about, let's make sure we're investing in companies that are focused on these drivers as a way to generate outperformance.
1: When I um, took a look at these numbers recently, it looks like In 2015, about one in five dollars was being invested this way, and the number is climbing really fast. I mean, it might be closer to one in four dollars now. I know research has shown it's captured the attention, particularly of women and millennials. Why is that?
2: Yeah, so we see with the millennials and Generation Z that they want to buy products that are organic or sustainable. They wanna buy from brands that are sustainable. So I I think what we're seeing now is they wanna invest in companies that are sustainable. And when we do our research, we see that uh, when we surveyed PI, our personal investing division surveyed our retail customers and we saw that 70% of millennials wanna invest in this way and 80% of women wanna invest in this way. Um, so I think that's why it's getting momentum, but there's still this perception that you have to sacrifice performance, and so um,
1: which you yeah, said you yeah. don't, and yes, and I yes. and I want to dig into that, right? right? So how do you know you don't have to sacrifice performance? Yeah, so.
2: Fidelity has done a lot of work in this area and we we looked back five years and five years is a short amount of time But that's one thing about the ESG sector is that we're seeing more and more data And so as we see more and more data, we'll be able to do longer-term analysis But we looked back five years at the top 1,000 companies in the US and we looked at high-ranking ESG companies, so again, companies that are doing well, the way they think about the environment and their employees and the governance, and low-ranking ESG companies, so companies that just don't have good leadership or they're not really focusing on their employees. And those high-ranking ESG companies not only outperform the low-ranking companies, but they outperform the market over the past uh, five years by close to 2% a year. So to me, that says like at the very least, you don't have to sacrifice performance and you could even generate better performance than if you had invested in the market. I,
1: I have a new book out called Women yes, With I Money. Yes, i read it, oh. it's great. Oh my yes. gosh, Yes, thank you. Yes, I, I didn't pay her to yeah. say that. <laughs> uh. Recommend it to everybody, yes, <laughs> yes. But one of the things that I learned in researching this book is that an ESG screen can actually protect you yes, from some right. of the bad stuff. Right. So, if by filtering for bad management practices, right. by right. filtering for other problems, right. it, it steered around some really dodgy waters. Can, right. Can you talk about why right. that why that works and right. is that something... I mean, should we all be applying these filters? So I think ESG can be a very powerful
2: risk management tool. And we've done work with Goldman Sachs to look at 26 related ESG controversies. So this would be data breaches. This would be oil spills, mine disasters, um, product safety issues. And those companies underperformed their peers that didn't have ESG issues by 20 to 30 percent on a one, two, and three year basis. So not only are you losing a lot of money in year one, but you continue to lose money over time. And often, you know, people ask, well, is it a buying opportunity? So we haven't seen that it is. How
1: are you looking at? the companies that you sort of are selecting out of this world?
2: Yeah, so we focus on something called materiality, right? So when we're looking at these ESG drivers, we're looking to see, are there going to be material impacts on the financial results, either in the short term or longer term? And so for like an energy company, you might think, like, how are their emissions? What's their water use? For a tech company, you're going to be thinking about data privacy. And so in many ways, this is just fundamental research that Fidelity has been doing for years. And we're just thinking about what are the material ESG risks and opportunities with these companies. And let's think about it and dig into that.
1: This seems like a good time to take a break and remind everybody that her money is proudly sponsored by Fidelity Investments. What if you could demand more from your money? What if you could make your savings work as hard as you do? And what if that helped you reach your financial goals It all starts with a financial checkup and an understanding of what you own and what you owe. From there, the folks at Fidelity will work with you to evaluate your investment options and different ways to grow your savings, the sorts of ways that we are talking about with Nicole Connolly today. You can get started at fidelity.com slash demand more now. And now let me take you back to my interview with Nicole Connolly. As we are all thinking about putting together our own portfolios, where's the place for ESG? Like, where does it fit? Do I say I want to take a quarter of my portfolio and do it this way? Or is this something I just apply across the board? And how are people actually using it? Yeah. So I think the
2: beauty of what I'm talking about with the performance piece is that it can play a central role in your equity portfolio because you, you can be you can get access to a diversified portfolio because these are companies that exist in every sector. Um, So that would be um, number one. And you can either go about it by saying, I'm just going to invest in a diversified ESG portfolio or I feel really strongly about women's leadership, or I feel really strongly about the environment, and I'm going to focus on funds that are that are you know focused on that. And like Fidelity has a select environmental fund, we have a women's leadership fund. Let's so, talk yes. about that,
1: yes. right? Yes. And nice way to turn there. corner, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. The women's leadership fund is new. Yes. Where did the idea come from? I know you've been helming this. Yes. Tell us with about the help it. Of a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. No, yes. but tell us yes. about it. What yes. is it? What does it do? How is it different? Yeah. So, the
2: Women's Leadership Fund is part of our larger ESG product roadmap that aims to deliver return with a purpose. And the purpose in this case is investing in future female leaders and also pave, you know, also getting women across all industries, all levels to thrive in their career. What qualifies as a
1: woman-led
2: company? Yes, good question. Okay, so we have three criteria. The first is C-suite leadership. So this would be like Mary Barra leading GM. It would also be like Amy Hood is the CFO of Microsoft. Uh, so women that are influential in the C-suite, driving strategy and vision of the company. The second criteria is board composition. So does this company have at least thirty-three percent of their board represented by women. And we picked thirty-three percent because the average for the market's about seventeen percent. So we really want to put a stake in the ground and say we're shooting for companies that are forward thinking on board diversity. And then the last piece is diversity initiatives. So Looking at companies, we have this um, diversity framework that uh, Jessica Bayless here in the room has helped me with, and it's 23 criteria, it's gender pay gap, it's parental leave, it's are these companies monitoring the year-over-year progress in the hiring, development, promotion of women, Are they providing unconscious bias training? Um, Are they providing flexible work environments? That kind of thing. So we want to make sure that there's like a philosophy and initiatives backing up their commitment to women's leadership. So it has to meet one of those three, but the fund actually, half of the fund meets two of the three criteria. So we're trying to find companies that meet more and more of the criteria. How many companies? So the universe is 700 companies large, and it's a that diverse, qualify. yes. That, so it's it's a good um, universe to fish from, and. This is a universe where we have women leaders across tech, healthcare, consumer, industrial companies. So we're not sacrificing anything because we can find these companies in all sectors. And the universe is only growing. Like a year ago when I did this work, I was still a director of research and I had four kids under six at home. So I was going through, Three thousand companies in the U.S. during nap time on the weekends <laughs> and early mornings, and going through you know filings and investor decks and trying to find where are these companies. And when I did it myself, I found 500 companies. And then it's grown to 700 because you have companies like Amazon, adding Indra Nui, who was the former CEO of Pepsi, to the board. Mm -hmm. Um, Corey Berry at Best Buy. She was a CFO. She just got promoted to the CEO. Um, So you have companies that are trying to show a commitment and put these talented women into leadership positions. But I do want to talk about the collaboration with the personal investing group at Fidelity because that was a huge piece of how this fund came to be. And, um, you know, they, the women's squad, and um, that's kind of falling under Kathy Murphy um, under personal investing, and you've done a lot of work with them, and, and Lorna leading the women's squad. So they have done research on women over the past few years, and they have really tried to dig into what are the challenges and opportunities facing women you know, let's get women to take control of their finances and get them excited about investing. So they found that more than half of women are interested in a fund committed to women's leadership. Um, it's about as high as 60% for younger women. And we also know that $30 trillion in wealth is going to be controlled by women in 10 years. Yep. And you talked about the gender pay gap in your book and how women make $0.80 cents on the dollar versus men. And so that wealth number is gonna happen because companies are focused on narrowing the gender pay gap and the huge wealth transfer that's gonna happen. Right, women are gonna inherit twice. Yes, exactly. So we think there's really powerful tailwinds for this fund, um, but the fund was really born out of the work that the personal investing group had done to really understand what women want and we're excited to kind of try to meet the needs and the interests of these women investors. Well, you got
1: me. Yes, great. No, I told t no, finan- t-shirt. We got t-shirts. I want a t-shirt, but I have. <laughs> We're ordering more t-shirts, yes. <laughs> I actually told my financial advisor to buy me yeah, some. Yeah, great, so, great, So I'm in. Yes, awesome. Before we wrap up, I actually want to know about you. I mean, yeah. four kids yes. under six? Yes, oh, please. yes. Please.
2: How? Guess how I did that. I did that in three years, guess. I, I, no, I, yes. I, I
1: got that. Twins is
2: the hint. Yes. Two sets? Yeah, one, one set of twins, okay. Yeah. yes.
1: One area that yeah. lacks women sorely yeah. is financial services. Yeah. I mean, you are a bit of a unicorn in mm-hmm. running this fund. There are not a lot of portfolio managers like you. Yeah. Um, how did you decide that this was the career for you? And how did you get there? And what would you tell other young women who think, maybe I could do that. Yeah, okay, so I was um, a runner in
2: college, I ran for BC, and I liked running because there was, you know, this result that you had after the end of every race and you knew exactly how you did, and investing is very similar to that. Like, it it doesn't matter what you look like, it doesn't matter what your background is, like, your results are very measurable, and that's how you move forward in the organization. Um, And yes, Fidelity is in a male-dominated industry, but, I work with amazing women, women that are constantly cheering each other on. Um, We are an organization that's hitting diversity and inclusion head on. We are tracking the progress of women in terms of the hiring and development and promotion of women. We have unconscious bias workshops to make sure that everyone is aware of their own unconscious bias. Um, We have strong parental leaves. Um, A number of the dads that I used to manage as a director of research would send me emails saying how amazing it was to take that time with their family. And so we have a culture that helps women thrive. And so that is exciting to be a part of. And then the last part is, you know, I've had so many male allies, you know, when I was on maternity leave with my twins, my boss at the time came by with his 12-year-old son to give. Not only my twins, a baby present, but the, the other kids, and like talk about a, a male ally coming into the house with four kids under three at the time. Like <laughs> that was brave. Um, and then I've had other, uh, you know, men who have allowed me to talk about this fund and all of their events, and that's only given even more momentum to the fund. And so I've been very lucky in that way, and is a special place in that way.
1: To young women who are thinking that they're not sure about a career in finance, give me your best sales pitch. Yeah,
2: it is a place where, again, results really matter. And it's a career that you can get I used to say when I was, I managed the research associate program at Fidelity, and I used to say it's like getting a PhD in life. You know, you see how the whole world works, you see how everything's interconnected, you're, I mean, my first week at Fidelity, I was sitting across from the CEO of an energy company, like that was amazing. Um, And so there's so much responsibility and autonomy at such an early part of your career that I don't know what other jobs.
1: Are like that. It's funny. I was an analyst too. Yes, right. I was a research right, analyst, right. and I, in the very early days, was sent out to actually watch a laparoscopic surgery. Oh my gosh! Because oh, they yes. were pulling gallbladders yes. out laparoscopically for the first time, yes. and and one of our companies was. Investing in it, Bechton Dickinson, right? Oh, yeah, right? Right, and, and right. So, yeah, exactly. Yes, you yes. get a lot of responsibility, exactly. really, and really see how the early. Exactly. Works, yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having this yeah. conversation, and I hope that we'll yes, talk again exactly. soon. Exactly.
2: We'll get you a T-shirt. All right. Yes. Sounds All right. good. Thank right. you.
1: Yes. And with the magic of technology, we are back in our home studio. Kelly Holtgren is joining me, and we're picking up the conversation as we launch into our mailbag. Hey, Kel. Hello. So, what do we have? First, one from Mel. My partner and
0: I recently both started a side hustle, pottery for me, photography for him. Where and how would you recommend we get up to speed on tax laws for creative side hustles, please? Passionate as we are about our pursuits, we are quite aware that we will likely not even come close to breaking even in the first couple of years.
1: So the tax software programs are perfectly adequate as far as helping you through these. They have built in systems for managing people who've got businesses. The biggest thing that you have to do is keep a paper trail. And that means when you spend money on your side hustle, you want to make sure that you are very, very carefully documenting your expenses. And if you use part of your home to do this side hustle and plan on taking the home office deduction as a result, you want to make sure that you carefully document and segregate that area as well. So I think that's really all you need to do. It's not as complicated as you might think, it's really a matter of paying attention to your expenses. The final thing that I want to say about this, though, is that having a side hustle, having income outside of your day job does give you the ability to make a contribution into a a retirement account for self-employed people. And that may be an opportunity that you really want to capitalize on if the side hustle is producing enough income or your day job is Mm -hmm. producing enough income to give you the opportunity to do that. The one that I turn to most often and the one that I've used myself is a SEP IRA. And the reason SEP IRAs can be so powerful is that they allow you to put away up to 25% of your self-employment income. And that number can go over $50,000 a year. So it can be huge. So document and a self-employed retirement plan.
0: And good luck with these new pursuits. Yes. Mal, if you're not in our private Facebook group yet, please post your site and your husband's site on our Humble Brag Friday threads because I would love to see your work. Yeah, absolutely. We will do one more from Valentina. As a socially conscious 27-year-old woman working in New York City who is looking to invest beyond my retirement accounts, I've been intrigued by companies like Ellevest who just recently opened an impact investing portfolio that supports women-led organizations. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. From an investor perspective, should you always lead with your head or is there a way to strike a balance between your head and your heart?
1: The nice thing is that you don't have to choose anymore. When I was a young reporter at Forbes magazine and starting to cover what we then called socially responsible investing, I was very conscious of the fact that you did have to choose, that there was some amount of money that you were probably getting. Giving up because you were investing in these sorts of companies. It's not true anymore. Mm-hmm. In fact, I write in Women with Money to a pretty large extent about the fact that if you want to invest in these impact portfolios, you actually can do just as well, if not better. As people who are investing in run of the mill sorts of ways. And so I would encourage you to explore the world of impact investing. Take a look at funds under the ESG label that's environmental, social, and governance. And governance is basically getting women on boards of companies, getting women into senior positions. That is good. Love that. That is, that is a good thing to do for the world. Mm-hmm. And look at the wide array of funds. There are so many more than there used to be. There's so much research on what makes them better. And, and check out Women With Money and read that section of the book. Amazing.
0: Thank you, Jean. And for everyone who has questions that you'd like to hear Jean answer on air, please email them to mailbag at hermoney.com.
1: Thanks so much. And in today's Thrive, right now on hermoney.com, we've got a popular article that lists eight reasons why you might be unhappy at work and how to fix them. The key here is to explore the real underlying reasons that your job is bringing you down and Learn how to be proactive about changing them. You hate your boss. Your coworkers are giving you the cold shoulder. Your to do list is either painfully boring or terrifyingly long. These all sound like very valid reasons to hate your job, but in truth, they are only the surface cause of your misery. So here's a few examples of how to look at them instead. First, you say you're bored at work. Maybe the real reason is that your efforts have been unrecognized. The symptoms show up because you feel unmotivated. You seek out diversions to real work, like updating social media or shopping. The solution here is to seek out feedback. If you're bored at work, it could be because you're just doing the same thing for too long and you're ready for a change. Or it could be that you feel like no matter how hard you work, you never get that pat on the back that you deserve. If either is the case... Seeking out feedback from your boss can be a great way to end this morale killer. As for the other seven items on the list, well, you're just going to have to go to hermoney.com to check them out. Thanks so much for joining me today on Her Money. I want to say a big thank you to Nicole Connolly for sitting down and giving us this great education. You know I've been wanting to do this for a long time, so I'm just thrilled that we got into this subject. If you like what you hear, I hope that you'll subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We love hearing what you think. And by the way, while I'm talking about reviews, if you've read Women With Money, we could really use some reviews on Amazon.com. So if you're taking a minute, go ahead and post one there as well. We also want to thank our sponsor, Fidelity. We record this podcast out of CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Track Tribe. And our show comes to you through PRX. Join us next week. We'll be back with another great guest and we'll talk soon.